0: I'm a second year undergraduate student at the University of Chicago, um, and I'm majoring in comparative literature and Latin American studies. Um, so I do have an interest in um, the Latin population in Chicago, specifically um, among like Mexican population, Mexican-American population. Um, so my presentation delves into um, a tradition among Chicanos and Mexican-Americans Uh, and Mexicans all over the world as well, which is um, Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos. So a little background on Dia de los Muertos. Um, So it is a um, two-day observance, um, and the first day is All Saints Day, and the second day is All Souls Day. Um, And this holiday sort of, like, is, is called Day of the Dead, but it's not necessarily one day. Um, so it's this, that already with just being said with this like colloquialization of just the length of the, of, the, of the holiday kind of talks about how Mexicans have sort of created this as their version of a pan-Roman Catholic holiday. It is sort of like this period of festivity and observance Um, And it's more of spiritual reflection as opposed to a religious observance. So at the center of this celebration is altar making, um, communion with the family, artistic displays and performances and feasts. Um, So Roman Catholic dharma only recognizes... Um, attending the masses as sort of observance, religious observance, Um, but the fact that that is like the part of the holiday that no one knows about and does not really take seriously just shows how folk traditions and the spiritual as opposed to the religious um, have more significance. So considering that this is a food culture course, I wanted to talk specifically about the uh, offerings called ofrendas, and those will be at the center of my research. Um, So here, yeah, here you have like a sort of like Day of the Dead Mass um, because it is like All Saints and All Souls Day. You're honoring the um, deceased. But here is the night of festivities. I went to Pilsen um, for their Dia los Muertos Chicago with an X as opposed to a CH, which is interesting in and of itself. Um, And here you just have like this... Performance um, by some local artists. Here's an example of an altar, and then here are some um, skeleton women. But I just thought it was interesting to see sort of like this congregation around a sort of mat, like a, a sort of like faux mass in and of itself, because they are sort of like observing this in a way, and like this is a congregation, and this is sort of like the religious way. So it's it's this modern take on that. So my research questions. Kind of wanted to delve into the paradoxes and um, contradictions just inherent with this with with Mexican culture, um, considering the historical context and like symbolic presence of of this holiday. So my first question was just how does sweetness as a response to death complicate our traditional notions of grief and healing? Um, so during the creation of a sugary ofrenda, how does one strike a balance between sort of like this aesthetic component and quality of composition of the actual food offering? And then, how does the nature of the ofrenda change when placed within this postmodern Mexican American society, considering that it is a very traditional um, holiday? So, when looking at the modern um, iterations, I wanted to think about. Um, this spiritual connection that is created from the altar. And I was sort of like inspired by um, Altars Happen, which is this piece. And she says that altars happen, altars must be fed, they must be awakened, they wax and wane in potency, altars breathe, altars tell stories. Altars reveal the state of being of individuals and communities Altars can be in a bottle or under your skin or buried in your yard. They can be hung in the rafters of a house or the limbs of a tree, or they can be placed on the ground, on a table, or at the foot of a tree. A grave could even be an altar. Altars are places where the living and the dead, the human and the divine, meet. Altars are places where healing happens. So that just um, interested me when I'm thinking, when i thinking about um, the idea of something happening. It sort of has like this double meaning. Um, it takes place and it occurs, so it takes up an amount of space, um, but it also, happening is something that befalls on someone, it is, an, it is an experience. So I like the idea of it happening, but it also having this effect on someone else. So the people creating it are creating this experience, but people sort of watching and becoming part of the altar and observing it are also part of this experience. Um, in thinking about that, um, Dia de los Huertos uh, is sort of like um, this this point of contact between the human realm and the spirits um, that we kind of see immediately through um, the ofrendas. And altars, when I looked at them, um, have all of these you know pictures of um, family members that are deceased um, and ancestors in general. And when I was asking around um, and interviewing a lot of people just informally, and they were telling me mostly how, um, yeah, there is this idea of death, but mostly it is a celebration of life. Um, And you can really see that in that they don't really try to frame the life of the individual in a certain way. They sort of, like, want to encompass the personality of the individual taking the good and the bad together. Um, so it is it is a narrative through symbols um, as opposed to just, like, the good highlights of the person's life. Um, so I have this... I was interviewing this one uh, man. He was named uh, Mr. Gonzalez, and he was very interested in telling me about his altar right here. And it was one of the biggest, it was huge. Um, it had like mini altars on the sides that the kids, were, that the kids made. Um, and then this like main one and, and the carpet, I couldn't even take a picture in, of, of all of it. It was like coming out this way. So it was like a whole city. Um, and I saw that he had this bottle of monster energy drink there. And he told me a story of his brother-in-law who recently passed away. And um, he was telling me his story and and he sort of developed later in his life this obsession with this energy drink. And he drank it like at every moment of every day. He was constantly drinking it. Um, And it sort of, along with a health condition I didn't find out until he was like in the hospital um, in tandem with the obsession with monster, he developed this like health condition and he died like all of a sudden. Um, and it was interesting how they had that um, displayed there on the altar. So it's not just a celebration of his life or the life of someone. It's also a celebration of what killed that person as well. So it's it's this interesting dichotomy created with life, but also death, like death they are just placing all these things. Yeah, he really, really liked it, but it killed him, you know? So there's almost this like subtle threat of, of, of death under that. Um, but there was also, we see in these like little um, creations and um, the, his daughter created um, her own altar and the mother was mostly in charge of that. So we had this connection Um, between women and altars and the women are mainly most important in passing down this understanding of death and this approach to death Um, and we can see that from sort of this paper written by uh, Riccardi telling stories building altars where we see this really like woman-led narrative The connection between women and altars is an ancient one. Altars to goddesses are found in hearths, since fireplaces symbolize home and family. Um, In excavation of cultural sites, people have discovered many images that represent pregnant goddesses, and bread mothers who can protect the bread have been found near ovens. So those with sacred knowledge and the knowledge of how to heal can allow their understanding to come into being and become a point of contact with the spiritual realm and women are really these orchestrators of that energy, which is interesting. Um, Here are just some further images uh, of the altars. It got a little dark, so it was harder to do, but we have um, in talking about the aesthetic component versus the integrity of the altar, it is thought in traditional uh, practices that the departed relative uh, visits the home and takes pleasure in the foods in that in real life were pleasing um, to him or her so they enjoy the aroma of the ofrenda as opposed to the food itself so they take the flavor or the essence of the food so um, it really poses this question of like since the sensory experience of like seeing the beauty of the food is lost and incomplete. They need to awaken the dead through the smells of this food. Um, But I saw that many of the ofrendas were fake foods Um, and that just like really interested me. You had plastic fruits, um, you had fabric, conchas, which are this traditional um, sweet bread, and you had store-bought breads, store-bought sugar skulls at that also, um, and so there's this transition of the tradition into a more modern sphere um, from edible to inedible, and from handmade the day before to store-bought, and um, And I think the industrialization of sugar just takes a key role in this, um, and also just shows the changes, uh, the nature of the ofrenda because of these. It's a reflection on this sort of rising consumerism, and uh, and poor eating habits. So I thought that was that was pretty interesting. So here you have like a whole um, meal set up with silverware. So this person sort of like interpreted the day of the dead ofrenda as something that the spirit will sort of sit down and eat. Um, And you have here also like plates in front of each person, uh, each person's uh, picture as if they have their own space to eat there. Yeah, so here you have a bowl of tamales, which would be the traditional image of an ofrenda. And then over here, which was just like radically different, you have this bowl of like Cheetos um, and Doritos and chips. Um, So the grief remains the same. What changes is the form in which it is presented um, in this sort of within a capitalist world. So there's something so specific about cooking up food for the deceased as a ritual in and of itself, sort of time and labor is spent as an act of service. But there's also something so specific about going out to buy goods for the deceased, spending present capital and money on past life um, as an act of service. Yeah, so this is just what these um, traditional sweetbreads look like, this is pan de muerto, Um, it has like this, like o- overlaying look of um, like a skeleton. And then uh, they, these are also pan de muerto, and these are the sugar skulls, um, which are not edible. And then, so you have these traditional, um, here's some of like the traditional ofrendas, and then they're modern iterations. Um, I saw like a bag of McDonald's, like just a greasy bag, like on top. Of a table, like that was that was their one of their ofrendas, um, that just like really blew my mind. Um, for my final project, I did some so I did some interviews of families um, at the altares, and then I did some interviews um, of some bakeries in Pilsen and Little Village. And I wanted to create an altar, but also acknowledge my viewpoint as an outsider, um, but still sort of like with my um, Latino heritage. So I decided to just create an altar and sort of create this exercise of grief, um, reflecting on Mexican traditions, also creating my own and referencing my families. So I created an altar of sorts building off of that idea um, that many altars presented to me portrayed this idea of like consumption um, so I wanted to sort of redact like the many activation sites to one single space centered around the mouth itself um, as like the place where Communion happens where the food meets the tongue, where exchange occurs between the living and the dead, um, you know where there is this exchange between the human and and the divine, the spirit um, and the physical. mine was sort of this um, mouth, um, the bottom of it because i didn 't have a lot of time, <laughs> and then So I called it just like to enter the mouth of a muerto and um, building off of the concept of the altar as sort of the space of exchange. Um, So there's like cultural exchange happening here, um, but also I wanted to have it informed by modern uh, forms of exchange, um, primarily those that are like consumerist um, and economic. In the struggle for autonomy, there is this sort of like level of dependence that increases on the market, and ofrendas become more and more store bought, more influenced by the modern issues that face Latinos, their families, and communities diabetes, obesity, disability. Um, and we see how ethnic minorities in the United States, they often experience disparities in health and, and health care services. Um, and this is problematic because uh, good health means a minimum condition for full participation in most dimensions of life. And so I wanted to just bring into conversation aspects of conquest, adaptation, negotiation, and cultural complexity. So um, the use of guava paste. So a lot of you might be thinking, what is that tongue made out of? Um, it's made out of guava paste, um, which is just... Sold in these these like packs, they almost look like these like little bricks. Um, and so I just sliced them and laid them to make them look like a tongue. Um, and that has sort of like personal significance to me um, because you know guava paste is like very important to me. Um, I would eat it like all the time. I still do. Um, and it's sort of like very represent very representative of this like authentic. Um, fruit turned commercial in the form of a very accessible product. Um, so the structure is like pretty circular, um, but not enclosing. I wanted this idea of an entrance and the tongue becoming a sort of carpet, the path leading to the mouth. And on the stains or sort of the bad parts of the sweetness, the death, the subtlety. Um, uh, I wanted to really put in this, um, this greasy Happy Meal. Um, And the material for the teeth was sugar, meringue, and water, which is the same uh, material used to make the calaveras, which were the sugar skulls. Um, And then there was a plaster inner structure, and it was similar texture to the sculpting agent. Um, And then, I don't know if like, You guys probably, yeah, you you can't smell it right now. Um, But I wanted the smell to sort of have a factor in it as well. Um, The smell of this, like, meringue powder, which was really, really sweet. um, Mixing with the smell of, like, a burger and fries to disturb our sense of sweetness. um, And have this space in between, like, the holy and the profane. Um, But, yeah, here's another closer picture The tongue and the mouth. So, yeah, that's my presentation. Have
1: you seen the site in the Great Center where you set up your tongue? No, I haven't. So, that's pretty
0: amazing. Yeah.
1: uh, The fireplace. The fireplace. Totally perfect. Yeah. I have a question. Directions of these modern influences. One is like a cautionary tale, um, but there's also just inclusion of foods from the everyday. Is that like mm-hmm. this modern influence? It's like okay, we're gonna have chips there because that's what we have all the time. And then there's the this is what killed. Like, is that what's driving these inclusions of modern <coughs> foods? I think um, I think that
0: sort of like there were a lot of snacks as opposed to meals on the altars. And I asked around about that as well. And they said it was sort of like, I mean, it makes sense when you want to portray a person, you don't really want to, you don't really think of like their favorite meals. You think of more like the everyday kind of thing and like um, food moments that you have with them, which are primarily like small and like bite sized and like little snacks, mm-hmm. um, which make a lot of sense as well. But I think also, also like, the traditional ofendas they aren't necessarily meals like some of them are meals as you saw like there was that soup bosole. Um, but some of them like are tamales, which are like you know they they sell them at street like, at street vendors as well like all 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 over Pilsen and Little Village so there is this idea of like the snack um, which I think <coughs> is traditional and modern sort of like independent of that um, but yeah I think sort of The modern attaches itself to the idea of snack just because it is so temporal, um, and because I think, like, you know, snacks are easier to be junk. Um, But yeah, there is this idea of, like, the the McDonald bag, just like there, like a meal, a whole meal there.
1: Um, Would it be the same in Mexico? Would there be healthier food in Mexico? Are there more traditional food habits still there compared to?
0: So I, America. when I was like looking at um, sort of Day of the Dead in Mexico, um, a lot of it is more informed by tourism. So there is sort of like this more extravagant look at Day of the Dead. So you'll probably see in in lieu of like Doritos and like little things like that, things that are more with the person. You'll probably see something more extravagant. Um, and then also, there's a difference between the internal, and the, like the interior and the exterior, because a lot of these altars um,
1: are home altars,
0: and they have home altars in their homes, which are completely different. Um, so what they are presenting to us is very different from what they have in their home. What they consider like their sort of like home altar. Um, so there might be differences in Mexico in the homes as opposed to like the Mexican American homes. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. I would love to go to Mexico and like learn and see Day of the Dead there. I haven't, so I've only seen it through research. Um, But yeah, I think definitely with like the rise of tourism and just like more people flocking to Mexico, um, I think in general there's just been this like blow up of how can we make things now like more like Pitchier for the American tourist or something, um, like more palatable, something that we know we can sort of like Explode. economize off of, you know, yeah. like exploit. Yeah. So there's a kind
1: of difference
0: yeah. yeah. So you can even go up with things all your life? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'm Cuban, so we. Uh, my grandma used, used to always like you take a slice of guava like paste and take a slice of um, white cheese and put it together and it's so simple but it's incredible highly think what kind of white cheese um queso blanco okay. which is really salty so it really combats with the sweetness nice. yeah. so the was that
1: something
0: new to you um so i come from miami so there is a significant mexican population there and like I have Mexican friends, so I knew about Day of the Dead, but I didn't know about its historic significance until I came to Chicago. Um, and seeing how it really like mixed in with current issues facing Mexicans today, just like immigration, NAFTA, um, just displacement, moving into urban center, in urban places, and going from you know primarily agricultural places and going into urban places, how those. Traditions are sort of left and they merge and become new. Um,
1: that I hadn't really seen very. One time I went to Westphal, uh, Holland. Mm. You know, we're talking about you know end of, December, end of October, beginning of November, and there were all these white candles. You can tell what the cemeteries were because there were candles that were being lit. Mm. Uh, so they're not, you know, it's, they're they're also Catholic. And do they celebrate all saints? All saints? Yeah. yeah. How is that representation? I'm just telling you what I saw. you know, candles. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're a world apart in the sense, yeah. and their expression is a little bit different, but in this case, it was simply lighting candles at the grave. Piscopalians mm-hmm. have it too, and it's just more of a religious thing, like you go to church and you pray. It's not really a mm-hmm. social thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and by the way, I know an Italian family in Highland Park that, you know, when you go to a funeral, you get the little card with some remembrance. They collect them on a chain in their kitchen. I, I, you know, I go to maybe one or two funerals a year, and they have like 50 of these things. And I said, what do you do with these? They go, oh, we wait till the day of the dead, you know, like that day, and then they throw them away and we begin again. So everybody has these funny little you know, yeah. rituals that unless you unless you see it, you don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah.